This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Well, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? Hey, I'm excited that you're here. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, let me welcome you. My name's Colby. I'm the pastor here, and you're joining us for uh, the second installment in a series called Search, where we're covering some of life's greatest questions about God. And really what it is, we're talking about those barriers that many people have to fully believing in who God is. And last week, we talked about the number one objection that many people have about God. And we answered the question, if God is so good, right, then why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering in the world, or how could a, a good God have bad things happen to good people? So we talked about that, and the reality is that many people are approaching God with a, uh, a distorted view of who God is. They're rejecting God, but not based on the real God, the actual view of who he is. So that's who we talked about last week. This week, we're going to talk about this question right here, and that is, why can't I feel God? Like, if God is here, if God is with me, if, if God is close, why can't I feel him? Or uh, maybe even a better question is how can I get closer to him? How do I experience more of the presence of God in my life? I want to believe in him, but I can't feel him. A couple weeks ago, I talked to one of our students at our house party, 16-year-old uh, kid, I think he's a sophomore at McDowell, and he asked me that, that very same question. He said, I want to believe in God, but I can't feel him. Like, there seems to be this, this disconnect, and it happened right after, like, this, this worship time that they had, and they were singing songs, and he said, Colby, it seems like everyone else is getting into this. You, you know how, how it is on Sundays even. It seems like some people are worshiping. They're raising their hands. It seems like there's this emotional connection that they're having with God. I don't feel a thing. And then he went on to say, when I read God's word, I don't get anything out of it. When I pray, it seems like my prayers are just kind of hitting a wall, and it just seems like I, they're not going anywhere. And you could understand uh, that he had this desperation really in his voice of saying, why is it? that I don't feel God's presence. I want to, but I can't. And the reality is many of you in this room feel the exact same way. Like you walk through these doors this morning and I don't know, you know, your relationship with God. I don't know the journey that you have been on, but many of you are like, maybe you feel extremely far from God coming through the doors. Maybe you felt close to God at one point in your life, but not so much anymore. Or maybe you know someone who, who feels distant from God and says, I'd love to believe in that God. However, I don't feel him. And the reality is many of you in this room fall into one of those categories. And then of course, right, there's always that person in your small group, that annoying person that feels God everywhere all the time. You know what I'm talking about? The one that's like, I was just having a conversation with God today and he told me this and this and this and this and this. 
And on my way to small group, like I turned on the radio and every song spoke to my heart. Every song, you know, seemed like it was an answer to prayer for me. And then this week I prayed that God would give me a, a great parking space at the mall. And when I got there, I had a front row spot right at the mall. This week, my husband got a raise. My son got a full ride uh, and acceptance to, to Duke University. Isn't God so good? And you're going, um, I turned on the radio and I hated every song. <laughs> I went to the mall and I had to park a half a mile away and walk in the rain, you know, to get to where I was going. My husband got fired this week and my son got rejected from Votech. All right, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> Why is it that some people, and you know who they are, just seem like they're constantly uh, connecting with God, constantly in God's presence, but then other times you don't feel him at all. Well, here's the good news. If you've ever thought that, why can't I feel God? Where is God? Do I have a part to play? Do I have a role in drawing closer to God. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so just for fun, let me see, just by a show of hands, those of you that would say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to recognize that's not everyone in this room, that some of you are coming, and you're just checking out the whole church thing. You're test driving, you know, faith, and I'm so glad that you're here. Like, we, you really are welcome here with all your questions, with all your, you know, your different thoughts on who God is and all that. But for those of you that would say, I am a follower of Jesus, I love Jesus, I've given my life to follow him. How many of you would say at some point in your life you have felt the presence of God? Raise your hand. Like you felt God's presence. Okay, all right, now put them down. How about today? Did you feel God's presence at all today? Raise your hand. All right, you put them up, yeah. All right, cool. How do you know? Like, how do you know? And I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm not trying to be, I'm being sincere. How do you know that was the presence of God? Like, what did it feel like to you? Was it a moment that you connected with God in worship and you started, you know, maybe you were crying as, as you were singing? Was it, was it you got some sort of funny feeling, you know, going on in your gut? Honestly, how do you know that that was the presence of God? Because if I could drill down on this just a little bit further, you can get a funny feeling sitting across someone of the opposite sex that looks really good and smells really good, right? True? True or false? True, right? You can get a funny feeling um, watching the Hallmark movie channel. Like my mother-in-law cries all the time, Hallmark movies. You can get a funny feeling uh, and sense, you know, something emotional. M my wife balls at, at reading Karen Kingsbury novels. She has a funny feeling. And, and then she gets a different kind of funny feeling watching Tom Brady play football. That's a whole different discussion <laughs> for another time. How do you know you felt God? Some of you get a funny feeling, you know, getting in a bubble bath, lighting some candles, and listening to some Kenny G. That sounds terrible to me. <laughs> but how do you know? What did it feel like? And then here's a better question. If you didn't feel God's presence, whose fault is it? Was it, is it God's fault? Did, did, you know, you show up today and God's like, hey, you had a bad attitude all week long. I'm not going to let you feel me today. I'm going to let someone else feel me, but not you. Was it that? Was it, was it hey, in, in worship, you know, you, you, you were starting to worship me, but you only brought your hands up to here. You didn't get them all the way up, you know, kind of thing. So I'm not going to let you, you feel me. Maybe next week if you engage a little bit more. Was it God's fault? 
Was it your fault? Like, did, did you not have your spiritual radar kind of tuned in to where God is? Was it the band's fault? Like, they didn't play your favorite worship song? Is that it? Or, or Dave's always wearing that hat, and I can't worship because Dave's wearing a hat. Or there's a new girl up there, and she had cowboy boots on. What's that all about? I don't know. I don't know. Like, whose fault is it? And do you have a part to play? That's what we're going to talk about today. How do we uh, maybe sense more of God's presence? And my goal is that, that today would, would push you to pursue, even on a deeper level, a more intimate relationship with God. In fact, if you want to write this down, uh, I want to show you that feelings are great, but feelings are not evidence of God's presence. They're great. They're necessary. They're awesome, but they're not evidence of God's presence. God's presence is so much greater than our feelings. Psalm 88, 13, you can feel the frustration uh, as the psalmist cries out to God. He says, but God, I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer goes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me? Why, Lord, does it feel like you're, you're hiding your face from me? In other words, God, I want to feel you. I want to know you're there. I want to know that you are close. I want to feel connected to you. So why is it I feel distant? Why is it I feel like uh, you're rejecting me, that you're hiding your face from me? I want to feel your presence, but I can't feel it. Uh, if you look throughout the Bible, there's some uh, amazing spiritual leaders like David who had obviously some very intimate times, close times with God. He was a man known as a, a guy after God's own heart. And there were times where God would just use him and pour into him and, and he would feel powerful in the presence of God. He'd say things like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, right? Because you are with me. You're with me. So there were times that he felt like he walked closely to God. But then there are other times... And you can read, just turn another psalm, and you can read where he feels distant. God, where are you? Like, I can't hear you. My, my enemies are coming against me, and it feels like you've left me. Where are you in this moment? So apparently, even David didn't feel God's presence all the time. Even Paul, Paul had that amazing, you know, experience with Jesus on the road and just transformed his life. Even Paul had to spend a period of time waiting making tents before he preached the gospel as far as saying, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to tell the world about you. Some scholars would say between 13 and, and, and 17 even years before he was kind of, hey, I want to tell the world who you are. God, why, why can't I, I go? Why can't I do this? Jesus himself, think about Jesus, who walked closer to God than anyone, moment by moment, day after day, close intimacy with God, now finds himself on a cross, taking on the sins of our world. And I don't know exactly what went down. The Bible's not completely clear on it. But as Jesus is being nailed to the cross in that moment, uh, before he gives his, his final breath, right, he's taking on our sin. Like in that moment, God being so holy couldn't even uh, be a part of that. And so Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like Jesus, God's own son, who would say, man, I felt God's presence my whole life. I've walked with God my, my whole life, and here I am in this moment. God, I can't feel you. Well, if that's you today, you should know that you're not alone. The good news is, is that you are not alone in feeling sometimes 
that you are alone. Uh, the great author C.S. Lewis, who's a, a literary giant in Christian uh, writings, he wrote about this time. He's the guy that wrote Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, those, those of you that have heard those. He wrote about this time that he could not sense God's presence in his life. This is what he said, but go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? Here's what it feels like. A door slammed in your face. A sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. God seems silent. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. He says, was it ever inhabited? It seems so once. And then I love this. Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent in our time of trouble. Even C.S. Lewis himself said that there are times I can't feel God. Times where it just feels like it's silent. Times where it feels like he is a locked door. Well, today I want to give you three possible reasons that that could happen. Three po There's probably a, a ton more that would keep you from experiencing and feeling God's presence in your life. But I want to give you three that I hope will and pray will propel you to seek out and search out God in a more intimate way. If you're taking notes, go ahead and, and jot this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and jot this down. <laughs> See what I did there? Take notes, people, all right? It's one of those things. You can take it with you, and you can look back on it, how God has spoken to you through this. So here we go. The first thing is this. If you would say, I can't feel God, it's maybe because you're waiting for a burning bush. It could be that you are looking for God to show up and reveal himself in a supernatural way. That you're waiting for some, some amazing kind of proof of God's presence in your life. And, and if that's you, you're no different than the disciples. See what the disciples uh, did. This is recorded in John chapter 6. They said to Jesus, give us some kind of sign. God, we want to know. Give us some big, bold statement that you are, are with us. Give us some kind of proof of your presence. And they asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? In other words, what are you going to do? We're ready for it. We know you can do some amazing things, like, like give us something. And then they kind of point to the past, and they say, our ancestors ate manna. Remember that? You gave them bread from heaven, they ate manna in the wilderness. It's written that God gave them bread from heaven to eat. You did this miracle, like to, to reveal yourself, to show proof uh, in, in their life that God is really with us. And they start using the way that God has moved in the past as proof of his presence. And the truth is, yes, you can look to God's past faithfulnesses in your life, and they are a great indicator that he will continue to be faithful moving forward in your life, continue to be faithful in your future. However, how he chooses to reveal himself changes. It will change. Like he fed that group of people with manna from heaven like one time. That was for one group of people during one season in history. Uh, another time he fed a group of people by, by giving them a, a three-piece from Long John Silver's, right? You remember the story? <laughs> so he doesn't always do it the same way twice. Like one time he healed a guy who was blind by touching his eyes. Another time he healed a blind guy with some spit mud. He made some mud with spit and put it on his eyes. Like I'd rather be the touch my eye guy than the spit mud guy, right? 
One time he raised a girl from the dead the same day. Another time it took him three days. See, we could be missing the presence of God because we're looking for some proof of God. You could be missing uh, the moments, uh, the, the everyday moments, because you're out looking for manna from God. You could be missing the spark of his presence because you're looking for this blazing, burning bush to speak to you. God, where are you? I can't feel you. It could be that you're waiting for a burning bush moment where you want to see God's presence. You want to hear the audible voice of God. Maybe some of you uh, young ladies in this room, you're dating a guy and you don't know if you should stay with him or not. You're like, I don't know if I should stay with him. I don't know if I should break up with him. I don't want to kick him to the curb just yet because, you know, if someone doesn't come along who's better, I better stick with him. But if someone who's better comes along, then I need to kick this brother to the curb. God, I really want you to speak to me. God, just tell me what to do. Just I want to hear you say, thou shalt tradeth that zero for a hero, right? You want the audible voice of God. You want something uh, as proof of his presence in your life. Or maybe you have a big decision to make about your job. A, a big decision to make about moving and where you're going. And you want God to show up with one of those big pizza signs, you know, with one of these arrows that say, this is the way that you should go. Here's what you need to know. That rarely ever happens. Sometimes you feel the presence of God in your life. Many times you don't. Sometimes you will feel close to him, but there are other times that you won't. And maybe you're waiting for this burning bush moment. But how many times did God speak through a burning bush? Does anybody remember? Once. You're looking to the past for God to repeat himself, doing something to, to prove that he's, he's present in your life when maybe he wants to do something new to where you'd have this amazing spiritual moment. Um, I remember growing up in the Salvation Army, many of you, know that my parents were in the Salvation Army. They were Salvation Army officers. The Salvation Army was a church really before anything. Started by a man named William Booth out in London, England. And he decided, hey, I'm going to feed people on the streets. I'm going to take care of their bellies. And then I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to feed them first. And then I'm going to share the gospel with them. And the Salvation Army has grown to be this amazing organization. And it's huge. And they really do some amazing things uh, around the world. But this is what I was brought up in. And my parents uh, ran a, a church, a corps. It's called a Salvation Army Corps. But at 13 years of old age, or, or 12, um, you could actually become a soldier. Because the Army had all these different rankings, right? They had captains, majors, generals, you know, corporals, all this kind of stuff. But at 12, I think it was, you could stand up and actually be a soldier. And what that meant was you got to put on a uniform for, like, the first time. And it was the full deal. Epaulets, you know, you had all these things on. And you signed what they called the Declaration of War. Um, and it was kind of, was that it? I think it was. All right, Declaration of Articles of War. That's what it was. Stop messing me up. Articles of War. And you stood there, and basically it said, I, I commit to being a faithful follower of Jesus. I commit to abstaining from drugs and alcohol and all these kinds of things. You stood in front of the church, and you basically swore in. It was kind of like the swearing in kind of moment. And I signed it. Right there. And my Sunday school teacher at the time said, when you do that, it's going to be like this amazing spiritual moment in your life. 
Like you'll, you'll just be able to feel it. It's, it's going to be like nothing you could ever imagine. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, as soon as I sign that and I put on my uniform, I'm going to have like superpowers and I'm going to go ninja kick somebody for Jesus. So I sign this thing in front of my dad and my mom. And you know what happened to me? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. No superpowers. Like I, I felt disappointed. Like I thought this would be different. I thought living for God and standing up would be different. Another time personally in my life was my baptism experience. Now, for some I've heard, it's just this unbelievable kind of experience. And in 2002, I was baptized in a YMCA pool in Orlando, Florida. And I stood there and I was like, man, I'm I'm ready. Like, this is it. I need to go public with my faith. And if you haven't taken that step, you, you can next week, just so you know. I was ready to, like, uh, let's do this. And I, it was kind of played up in my mind that it was going to be this amazing experience. I was dying to myself. I was coming up out of the water. And as soon as I would come up out of the water, doves would alight on me, like descend from heaven, right, and rest on me. I would be filled supernaturally, all this kind of stuff. I went under, came back up. I was waiting for it. And again, nothing. And I'm like, maybe, maybe the pastor didn't do it right because, you know, how pastors are. And he didn't do it right. And so maybe he needs to do it again. Maybe he needs to hold me under longer because I got some stuff in my life I need worked out. Maybe got the longer you hold me down, the better. Feelings are not proof of God's presence. Feelings are not evidence that he's with you. Feelings are great, but they're not the only evidence that God is with us. In fact, if you always felt God, you wouldn't need faith. And what does the Bible tell us about faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. If I could be so bold, some of you, you're waiting for a burning bush moment when God has been with you. He's never left you. He'll never forsake you. He's always with you, but you're looking to these big burning bush types of moment in your your life. And perhaps some of you are searching for something that's always been with you. The second thing is this. Uh, if you can't feel God, and where is God in my life? And I, I don't want this to, to scare you, but I do feel obligated to share this with you. And it could be that you don't feel God's presence because your heart is hard. Your heart has been hardened. That maybe at one point in your life you were close to God and you would even say that. You're like, Colby, I can remember, you know, the moment I gave my life to Jesus, you know, I just remember being different and, and, and I couldn't stop telling people about him. And I felt extremely close to God at one point, but then maybe your heart has grown hard. Jesus was quoting the prophet Isaiah in Matthew 13 when he said this, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And then he said, for this people's heart has become hard. This people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have their eyes closed. What happened to this group of people? One, at one point they were close to God, but over time their heart grew hard. Over time it was like, I can't hear you anymore. I can't see you anymore. I can't feel your presence in my life anymore. They were perhaps close And then they felt that God was absent. And so honestly, one of the reasons that you might not feel God's presence is because your heart has been hardened. It's grown hard to the things of God. And you know what causes that? 
The number one cause of a hard heart is sin. The number one cause of the hard heart is the sin that's in our life that separates us from God. If you sin against God, does it mean that God doesn't love you anymore? No. If, you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you, and, you, and you make a mistake, you make a bad choice, does it mean that you are no longer saved and no longer a Christian? No. But what it does mean is that it puts stress on the relationship. Sin breaks the intimacy that we felt with God. He's always there, but now the intimacy is broken. It's kind of like uh, in a marriage, say uh, a husband uh, commits adultery or a wife commits adultery. Are they married still, yes or no? Yes, they are still married. Do you think they are sharing the same kind of intimacy as they once did? No, because that sin has broken the intimacy. It's made them distant. They've lost trust, right? They've lost intimacy. And the same thing happens with God with the sin that goes undealt with in our heart. The things that we live with, you know, over and over and over again, this pattern of sin in our lives. And if we continue to live with it, not repenting of it, not going before God, confessing it, which by the way, we all have sinned. We're gonna sin today. I'm probably going to sin today. We're going to make mistakes. And people think repentance is this terrible word. Repentance is a wonderful word. It's a great word. The only difference between people who, who sin and, and repent and people who sin and don't repent are the ones who repent have, have created a soft heart once again. They've said, God, forgive me. God, remove this from me. God, give me a clean heart. You know, that they've repented of that, and their heart is soft. The ones who don't continue to have this hard heart. And if you don't repent, if you don't deal with it over time, it's like plaque. It builds up in your heart and it becomes hard. Let me say it uh, this way imagine for a moment that spring hasn't quite yet come to Erie, Pennsylvania. And that let's just say you have to use your imagination that it's still cold outside, all right? So really try really hard. And so in order to go outside in springtime in Erie at 15 degrees below zero, and I know it's not quite that bad, but give me a break, God, whatever. Um, you get bundled up. You put on, you know, your hats. You got to put on your gloves. You got to put on your jacket. You got to put on your ski pants. You got to put on your, your boots. Maybe your boots have, have heaters in them, warmers in them. Like you do everything that you can to stay warm so that when you go outside, you don't feel what? You don't feel cold because there's now a barrier between you and the cold, and it's the exact same way with God. The sin that builds up in our life acts as a barrier separating us between us and God. God's not gone. God is not absent. God is right there with you. The difference is now you can't feel him and his presence anymore because of the undealt with sin that's in our life. And a lot of people would push back at this and say, yeah, yeah. I have that, but at least I, I don't, I'm not doing the big sins, Colby. I'm not doing the, the big ones. Well, congratulations, all right? <laughs> Whatever the big ones are. But the problem is, many times, uh, what people will call, we allow cultural sins to stay in our heart. What do you mean cultural sins? I mean these things that we say, well, this is just normal for our culture. Well, that's not really a big deal. 
well, this is just this is just what we do, or this this only impacts me. For example, let's let's just say envy. It's a cultural kind of sin. Maybe every time you get on Instagram, you can't help but say, you know, oh, I wish I had that purse. Oh, I wish I could go to that place. Or I wish I had that food. I'm, I'm envious. I'm jealous. Or I don't even like her. You see what she's wearing? I don't even like her. I don't even like her. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't even know why these are my friends. I don't like anybody. <laughs> Maybe it's envy that's living in your heart that goes undealt with. Maybe it's gossip. Well, I don't gossip. But did you hear about so-and-so? We should really pray for her. <laughs> Colby, I don't gossip. It's just people come and tell me stuff all the time. You should ask yourself why they're always coming and telling you stuff. Lisa Bevere, uh, incredible author, she said that I don't care what people say about me or it doesn't bother me what people say about me. It bothers me why they would say it to you. Like why they would not say it to me, why they would not confront me. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's something that you continue to live with. You're like, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just kind of looking, just checking things out. Maybe it's, it could be any number of things, these cultural kinds of, of sins that we don't think are so bad, but they're living in our, our hearts and acting as a barrier between us and God. And the reason I know this is because I dealt with this in my own life. I've allowed some unrighteous sin to live in my own life, to live in my own heart. And I had to come to that place where I begged God, forgive me. Like, save me, restore me, forgive this, this sin that's in my life. God, I want a new heart. It's the exact same thing that David did in the Old Testament. If anybody knew how to sin, it was David, all right? By the way, you should read about him. That dude could sin, all right? But he would go before God after, this, after committing adultery. After killing a man, he went before God and said, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Some of you just have a hard heart. And you haven't gone to God and repented of that sin in your life. And it's acting like a barrier keeping you from the feeling, the presence of God in your life. So maybe it's a burning bush that you're waiting on. Maybe it's a calloused heart that you have. But maybe, and this is the last one, and, and I'm praying that this is what it is, that maybe God's just waiting on you. And maybe this is why you're here today. That he's just waiting to draw you close. Colby, I don't feel God. I don't feel God's presence. Well, it could be that you have this deprivation of God that he's using to give you desperation for God, to give you this this desire to seek more after him. In fact, this is what Paul writes. Uh, he was preaching uh, in Athens in Acts chapter 17. He said, from one man, God made all the nations so that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. In other words, he's saying that I did all this. He created the, the earth. He, he did everything that you see around you. Then he said, here's why God did it. He did it so that people would seek him. And he did it so that you might reach out for him. And he did it so that you might find him because the reality is he is not that far from any of us. His word tells us that as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. What did God do? He said God did all this to the glory of God. He created all this 
so that people would say, I want to know him. I want more of him. I want to be close to him. I would reach out for him. I would pursue him. There may be those times in your life, and I'm, I'm just suggesting that you don't feel God because God wants to bring you to a place and draw you to a place of being closer to him. It's a sense of des- uh, deprivation, the sense of absence from God that he wants to use to draw you into a deeper desire for him. If I, if I get hungry, I'm going to eat something. If I get thirsty, I'm going to drink something. Well, perhaps God wants you to hunger and thirst for him and crave him more. I know that uh, for Kristen and I, when life gets busy and we're, you know, some of you have, have kids and so you understand this. It's just kind of like this practice and that practice and going to this team and that team and this field and that field. You're just kind of driving all over and schedules get crazy this time of year. I mean, with four boys, we're just, it's, it's kind of madness around our house at times. And so there are times where Kristen and I, we don't feel very close to each other. You know, sometimes you can crave that, that intimacy. You can crave, you know, that time that, that you feel like you're apart and not believe that that's what God wants to do for many of you. For many of us, maybe you're here and you'd say, I don't feel God's presence because he wants you to have a deeper craving for him, a deeper desire to be with him. And here's, here's the good news in all of this. Again, that the way you feel is not, is not faith. Um, and that just because God might feel absent in this moment doesn't mean he's not, he's not present. Never mistake his absence for his, his presence in your life. But Jeremiah, the prophet, speaking for God, he says this, if you seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me, and here's, here's the catch, with all your heart. When you do that, I'll be found by you. When you seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. So this is what I want us to do with every head bowed, every eyes closed. In this moment, I want you to ask God, what are those things that are keeping me from feeling your presence? For some of you, the very clear answer is you, you don't have a relationship with, with God yet. You've never said yes to Jesus. And in just a moment, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I'm going to invite you to take that first step. But for others of you, maybe you'd say you, you've, you've surrendered your life at one point to God, but you can't feel his presence and you keep looking for it in supernatural ways, over sensationalizing it, looking for it in burning bushes and manna. God, I just need your proof. I just need a sign. But it could be that you're missing the moments. It could be that you're missing the fact that when you, you see a sunrise in the morning and the colors splashed across the sky, that that's God's presence. It could be that, that when you come home from work and your son or your daughter runs up to you, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy, with arms stretched high, that you pick them up and you look into their, their little faces and you see that that's God's presence, that he's with you. Are you missing the moments? Looking for the manna, are you missing the, the sparks of his presence? Because you're looking for the blaze of a bush. 
or this might be the better reality for many of us in this room, you can't feel close to God because you have barriers in your heart. There's a pattern of sin that's repeating itself, that's going undealt with, that's making your heart hard and not soft. And if that's you, there's gonna be two invitations today. The first, for those of you that would say, I need to feel God's presence more in my life. I know I have this, this sin that repeats itself and I need to confess, I need to repent of my sin because I want a clean heart. I want a fresh start. I need God's presence once again in my life. I, there was a time I was close and not anymore. And if that's you today, the first invitation is going to be for you. You'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I need to repent of some sin in my life. Would you raise your hand? Just be bold about it. Come on, church. This, we're not playing. That's awesome. Just saying, you know what? There's something that's separating me from God that I've considered a cultural sin. I've considered something that only impacts me. Here's the reality, maybe today you understand that what it's impacting is God's presence in your life. And it's acting as a barrier. And so I wanna pray first for you, God, I pray for those that would reach out to you and say, God, forgive me of my sin and put a name to it. Forgive me of my, my lust. Forgive me for my, my gossip. Forgive me for uh, my envy, God. Forgive me for jealousy. Forgive me for anger. Forgive me for hate, God. Forgive me for whatever it is in your life. And God, I pray that you would create in me a clean heart today. Because I want to be closer to you. I want to seek you. And I'm going to find you when I seek you with all of my heart. And the only way I can do that is with a clean heart. So God, make me new. Amen. You put your hands down still with every head bowed, every eyes closed. The reality is there are some of you in this room, the reason why you feel far from God is because it, you're not a child of God's. You haven't said yes to following Jesus. You haven't allowed the, the price that Christ paid on the cross cover your sins yet. And there's really no reason why you shouldn't. There's really no reason why you should have to pay for your own sins in separation from God when they've already been paid for. And so if you know that's why you're here today, because you want to begin a new life with Christ, or you want to recommit your life with Christ, you, you would say, I, I need to confess my sins and I want to serve God and follow Jesus from this moment on. I believe that Jesus died for me and he rose again. And I'm not gonna pay for my own sins. I'm gonna let Jesus pay for them. If that's why you're here today, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer. If you'd say, Colby, I'm gonna pray that right along with you. Would you raise your hand, just hold it up high? If that's you today, that you wanna confess your sins, that you wanna trust Jesus for salvation, you wanna receive the price he paid for you on the cross, that's awesome. Praise God for all of you. You can put your hands down, say something like this. It doesn't have to be these words. It could be your own words. The most important part is that you believe it in your heart. Say, Jesus, today, I give you my life. I trust that you died for my sins and rose again. I repent for all the things that I've done wrong. And now I receive all the things that you've done right. And from this moment on, I choose to confess you as Lord and Savior. And I will do my very best to follow you every step 
of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, you can celebrate big for those that today, come on, you can do better than that. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.